everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Freedom Caucus podcast. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, and we welcome you on board today. Looking forward to the direction we're going to be moving in the uh, podcast today. But to kind of set the stage, let me, you know, when you look at the seemingly insurmountable problems that are facing our country today, it is easy for some people, at least, to grow rather cynical as it relates to the future of our nation. And when you look at the so-called solutions that some of our politicians are offering to these problems, it starts to even look worse. And you take, for example, as we have discussed on this podcast a, a few times, the immigration system. Uh, it's broken. It's been broken for decades. And, and yet the magnet, if you will, that is drawing, attracting illegal immigration uh, that problem has not even yet been addressed. We're watching the cartels continue to traffic drugs and women and children. They are getting stronger and stronger. They're getting more money, more resources, more notoriety on a daily basis. And then you look at problems like our health care. Obamacare has made our health care system more expensive, less reliable, uh, much more difficult to access. Uh, I mean, you can go on and on and on. We uh, Look at the nation's fiscal health. It's disheartening. It is disheartening to say it out loud. It really is. But Washington, D.C.'s spending habits have literally doubled our national debt in the last decade to where now it stands at $22 trillion, as you're well aware of. You know, when you break that down, it comes to $67,000 per person. Man, woman, boy, girl, 67000 per person. To put that a little bit in perspective, the average wage of an individual is 57000 So when you look at 67000 per person, uh, you're, we're talking $10,000 above the average GDP per capita. I mean, it's, it's an astounding amount. And, and don't forget, when you consider the debt that we have, that the, the government is taking a third of everyone's wages now to continue feeding its outrageous spending habits. And, and yet, when you look at all these problems, whether we're dealing immigration or health care, our national debt, whatever it may be, you, you watch right now, every Democrat on the stage of the presidential debate recently raised their hand saying that they wanted to give taxpayer-funded health care to illegal immigrants. Folks, that's stunning. It is absolutely remarkable. It defies common sense. But I guess what I want to bring to you today is the reality that not all hope is lost. Regardless of how tempted you may be to become cynical, I want to encourage you not to do, to, to do so. Don't lose hope. And I, I say that not just because there's uh, people like the, those of us in the Freedom Caucus who share uh, common sense beliefs like, like living within your means or abiding by the rule of law or trusting in the free market system to provide uh, the best prices and best products that can be found. I'm not talking just about that. There is actual progress that's being made, particularly in the area of technologies, that have all kinds of potential 
to help us from everything from freedoms in and of themselves to, to improving our health to lowering costs on multiple fronts. Uh, if only we can keep government out of interfering both on the development of those technologies and the delivery of those technologies, there is a lot of progress being made for which all of us can be hopeful. Now, here to talk about these new and exciting technologies is an Arizona native, a fellow Freedom Caucus member, Congressman David Swikert. He was born and raised in Arizona. He's been a longtime advocate for, for reigning in federal spending, uh, eliminating our deficit, and reducing the overall size of government. Uh, he currently ser is serving in his fifth term. He represents the sixth district of Arizona. And I, I tell you, folks, he just has a very impressive resume. Uh, as a member of Congress, uh, he is able to bring to the table here a vast experience as a businessman, as a civil servant, and as a taxpayer advocate. Uh, and he is, he is a numbers guy through and through. Uh, he has a background in statistics and actuary studies. He sits on the powerful House Ways and Means Committee. He previously served on the Financial Services Committee. He also serves on the Bicameral Joint Economic Committee with another individual who we had on this podcast, uh, Senator Mike Lee. But what really brings David Swikert to the podcast today is his expertise in technology. He is the co-chair of the Blockchain Caucus, which we'll talk about here in just a moment, uh, but he has championed technological innovations as the solution to problems of heavy-handed government regulations, and we are thrilled to have him with us here today. Well, David, it is great having you on the podcast today. Thanks for joining us. No, this is my idea of fun. Well, it is a lot of fun. And let, you know, let's start, first of all, with the Blockchain Caucus. I think there's a lot of folks out there, <laughs> myself included, have, have to have a little explanation of this thing. Well, look, most people associate blockchain with things like Bitcoin. And yes, it's the underlying technology that these cryptocurrencies run on. But it turns out, because it's so safe, so secure... It can solve a lot of other problems in society. Um, the ability to have ID on your phone so you can walk onto an airplane, but also the ability to have that same ID attached to your hunting license, your fishing license, your the fact you're a registered nurse. Imagine how much easier life would be if you actually had a safe, secure place, but with all the sort of attributes of your life. And that's where we're trying to head, because where this gets really important to me and the Blockchain Caucus is our medical records. They actually should be with you, not sitting in some hospital. They should be accessible with you on, when that, you smartphone. Yeah, on that smartphone. But you also got to keep it encrypted and safe. Um, and that technology is allowing us now to start to do things like that. And as we start to talk about a couple of the other things, you'll see why it's so important because this new wave of medical technology, these wearables that can keep you healthy, are going to crash the price of healthcare if we can remove the legal barriers that slow down the technology. But it also needs access to those medical records to make sure that it all links together. So this is really good stuff. It's going to make our lives easier. It's going to give you a lot more time 
in your life because you don't spend your, you know, having to search for things. I can just imagine what, the, what it's like in a blockchain caucus. You guys just sitting around coming up with all sorts of ideas and things that could happen. Yeah, it's uh, like... Talk, it's, talking on a level that most of the rest <laughs> of us don't have a clue what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, it's a room full of, of all the... Geeks. The, yeah, yeah, all the <laughs> folks who were president of your high school math club. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a, a fascinating thing, but I did want our, our listeners to have a taste of that. Let's you know, let's look over to some of the other things. Uh, you mentioned healthcare, and that's, I know, one of the things that... Uh, extremely important to you and a lot of us. What has happened with Obamacare in this country is just really revolutionized in a negative way Yeah, it, our whole health care system. But what are some of the innovative solutions that you see potentially impacting our health care? And look, one of the most powerful things that's happened, and my joy is, you know, your brothers and sisters in, in, in Freedom Caucus are the ones who've been most open to saying, we're having the wrong debate. Think of this, Obamacare, the ACA, was really about who had to pay and who got subsidized. Right. Our Republican alternative tried to put in some market forces and those things, but it was really about who got to pay and who got subsidized. Right. We have to stop having this argument about the payment side and have the revolution on the cost side. We can crash the price of healthcare if we will embrace this wave of technology that's that's here, but we have all, all sorts of legal barriers. All right, let's talk about some of that because that's yeah. what people need. That's what the cost. It's well. There's a reason you didn't go to Blockbuster Video last weekend. It's technology changes things. Except in the healthcare world, the technology are these big expensive machines sitting at the hospital, and that's not where technology is. It's the thing you blow into and instantly tells you if you have the flu or bacterial infection, instantly pings off your medical records that are on your phone, knows you're not allergic to this antiviral, instantly orders the antiviral to you, and two hours later, it's at your home. So where do you get that? Um, I mean, what is, is this technology that's already that available? This technology is rolling out in the next year. It's being you know tested and certified. The problem is just that scenario I just gave you, uh, I can come up with at least five laws that make it illegal. You're letting an algorithm write a prescription. You're, you know, um, all these other things that go with that. The revolution actually, if you want to crash the price of healthcare, we have to modernize our laws, our reimbursement systems, and the understanding of technology. At the same time, we're going to have to do something that's really politically difficult. And that is, we're going to have to have an honest conversation with what we call the incumbents. If, if you're the urgent care center, you may not be thrilled that someone now in their house can blow into something and instantly know if they have the flu and take care of themselves. So there, there's going to be this There'll economic... There'll be a shift in the entire industry. But, and you know, the hallways are full of lobbyists here who are often trying to slow down those types of disruptions. Right. Well, there's no question. I mean, that, that's fascinating information. There's no question that tech, technology is... Uh, has transformed our country just in the last 20 years. And yet you look at healthcare and exactly. at least on the consumer side, we've seen very little. We still have to go to the doctor. We still have to go jump through all the hoops that we had to jump through 50 years ago. But think about how much more time that mom would have. You know, I have a three and a half year old. The ability to use a piece of technology and say, a little girl, blow into this. Uh-oh. We, we, and it... Yet it doesn't only diagnose, 
the algorithm, which is incredibly accurate, has the ability of saying, we're ordering your antiviral for um, a, a, a pediatric. We need to make it possible for these technologies to come online and crash the price of healthcare. And there's a second half you got to also, so, so it's, two, it's two barbells. The other side is the revolution is here on cures. Um, our brothers and sisters with hemophilia, in the next few months, we expect a single shot cure. Wow. Cures hemophilia. Now that shot may cost a million and a half dollars because mm. it's such a small population, incredibly expensive research, but it cures. And the math is really important. 5% of our brothers and sisters who have chronic conditions are the majority of healthcare spending. Right. What happens in a world where we start to not find a better way to maintain them in their disease, but we start curing them? We as members of Congress need to work out the financing of these cures because it actually is, is, is a joyful thought. Think about it. Instead of having the fight over who gets to pay, we're going to actually find a path to actually make people healthier and cure many of these ailments. Fascinating. Well, listen, there's so many areas that um, uh, technology is impacting right now that you are on top of and always love having these type of conversations with you. But let's, let's talk about environmental stewardship. Mm -hmm. There's tons of things happening out there uh, with technology that yeah. could massively impact our environment. It, it, it's one of the things that enrages me is for some reason the environmental left has almost, and I'm going to use the term, Malthusian view of the world, meaning we have to live smaller, lighter, this and that. And they're absolutely wrong. There's technology out there and, and huge breakthroughs. In Texas right now, they have a couple power plants, one um, burning coal, one burning natural gas. They don't have smokestacks. They collect every bit of the CO2 wow. and then reprocess it, use it, sell it. Um, there's technology out there that if you really, really, really cared about the environment, let the technology happen. But if you're on the environmental left, you need to be willing to vote for pipelines, new power lines. We have a great frustration, particularly those of us in the West, where we have areas with lots of wind and, and photovoltaic generation, and we can't get permits for a power line to move the power to the urban center. In West wow. Texas right now, um, if you would allow pipelines to collect methane, so a permitting of new large pipelines to collect methane, you'd have amazing calculations that if you're on the environmental left, uh, remember methane, they calculate 84 times more greenhouse effect than, a, than carbon, fine, then let us collect it. And yet at the same time, they'll oppose the very pipeline that would have amazing um, calculations. It, it'll almost get you to the Paris Accords. So there's this schizophrenia out there um, uh, I, I find on a lot of our, our, our environmental friends that don't want to embrace the tech, new technologies that actually help us continue to grow the economy and engage in great environmental stewardship. Wow. Well, all these things you're talking about are not only fascinating from a, a technology perspective and the outcome perspective, whether healthcare or environment, uh, but it also grows the economy, which is absolutely yes. essential. And you are one of the leaders around here talking about uh, smaller government. We've got to get, got to get our financial house in order. What yeah. happens, David, if we don't address our economic okay. issues ASAP? 
Look, and, and this is the part that's uncomfortable for everyone. But the math is the math, and math is the reality. The next 30 years, if you were to take the projected spending and these monster deficits that are coming, if you remove Social Security and Medicare, the budget is $16 trillion to the cash positive. When you pull in Social Security and Medicare, we're $48 trillion, and these are constant dollars, in the negative. We've got to have an honest conversation, and it's really hard, but Social Security and Medicare and, and the healthcare entitlements around that are all the deficit spending. It's because we're getting older as a society. Um, demographics, they're not Republican or Democrats. Um, we're just as a society, the baby boomers are moving into retirement. There's a way to make this work, to keep our promises, um, to provide retirement security. But you've got to grow the economy like crazy. And that requires a tax system that works, a regulatory system, a trade system. You need to produce incentives for folks to stay in the labor force. Um, you need to embrace the, the disruptive technologies that make our lives healthier and um, you know, give us more time, but also crash the prices. Um, and we need to take things like Medicare and say, we're willing to design it so you have spiffs. If you're willing to stay, if you're, if you're healthy and want to choose to stay in the labor force. But it turns out you need to do all these things at the same time. And every day we wait, the math gets We're getting much, further behind. The math gets much harder to make work. Well, you, you have been on the forefront of that. And uh, uh, David, this is precisely why I wanted you on the program. You, you are on the cutting edge of so many different things. And I know we've only got a couple of minutes left. But before we wrap up, what are some of the uh, issues uh, that you right now are working on, you're focusing on, that uh, our listeners need to know about? Um, a couple of our fixations in our office, and I'm blessed. Uh, we put together a freaky smart team, um, is everything from retirement security. But the way you get there is not just fixating on retirement programs, but all the inputs, all the economic growth, all the things that keep those viable to the disruption of healthcare costs through the adoption of technology to a healthier environment through the adoption of technology. And it turns out all these things actually link together because um, economic growth is moral. The fact of the matter is embracing, loving, supporting, um, incentivizing economic growth makes people's lives better. Absolutely. And, and we, uh, as, as you know, the conservative movement here, need to constantly be reminding people that that growth, the economic expansion, is one of the most moral things we can do in our society because it solves so many problems. Well, David Swikert, I can't thank you enough for being a part of the podcast today, and I encourage our listeners to, to learn more. You're a wealth of information and creativity, and I encourage our listeners to follow him uh, uh, and, and learn more. And I really, really appreciate you coming no, on No, you're program. very kind to have me. Well, it's it's our privilege to have you. Listen, folks, that wraps up our time for today. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you have a moment, please take time to rate and subscribe and review this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. And always remember to follow us on Facebook.com slash Freedom Caucus and on Twitter at Freedom Caucus. Until next time, have a great day. This is Jody Heiss.